Hello, I'm Anthony William, and you're listening to the Medical Medium Radio Show, where each week I talk about the most advanced healing information and secrets about health, much of which is not found anywhere else and is decades ahead of what's out there now. As I've always said, who has 10 or 20, 30 years to wait for answers to their illnesses? Life is precious. This is the only health show out there today. Where the information here doesn't come from any interest groups, medical funding with strings attached, botched research, research with the thumb put on the scale to make things turn out the way they need to be, spun research, spun information, lobbyists, internal kickbacks, persuaded belief systems, because when we fall into a belief system, it can't be broken. So no matter what happens, it's where someone forges ahead, forges ahead, and they don't open their minds for something else. Private panels of influence. Influencers and health field payoffs and trendy traps. You don't think that stuff's out there in alternative medicine? It's saturated. It's something that Spirit and I have had to deal with for years and years and years. It's nobody's fault. It's nobody's fault, and meaning in the sense that people, you know, they pick up information you find on the internet and you find in other places, whatever, and, and, you know, you think this information is what is going on out there, and then it gets trendy or catchy and all these things happen, but what happens is that information has been tampered with along the way, all along the way, starting from the very beginning, and it just gets more tampered, more tampered one way or another. All the health information I share here comes from a pure, untampered with, advanced, clean source, a higher source, the spirit of compassion. There's nothing more healing than compassion. There's nothing more healing You know, someone said to me the other day, look, I hear you got kind of like a new opening in the show where you talk about where the information comes from and everything else. Why are you doing that? And I said, because some people who are new come on to the show, meaning they, they, they log on to the show and they just think it's the same old stuff. They don't even give it a, they don't even like really listen to it. They think it's maybe the same old stuff that's going around now that every expert knows. Or, or that experts, you know, created or experts know or something or science has to offer or whatever and then experts and – they, and they think it's that. Oh, wait a minute. And they don't realize – they don't realize that the information here has been different all along going all the way back to our first show. And it's always been like that, including in the books. And it's important to know. It's not something that should just be – you know, and I was telling this person, it's not something that should just be ignored because someone has to be aware of what's going on. Conventional medicine – We all know that conventional medicine and chronic illness has so many problems. I mean, so many problems. It's unbelievable. And we know that. But alternative medicine has so many problems, too, with, with chronic illness. It's unbelievable. And it's not the doctors. You know, I, have, I, I know so many doctors, amazing people. Without them, we can't live. It's like that song, can't live, <laughs> living without you or whatever that song. It's like you can't live without them because um, there's so many life-saving things that are out there now and life-saving techniques and, and life-saving equipment being invented, yes, by science. But chronic illness is a whole nother place. It's for some reason, it's not... It's not separated properly. Like for some reason, there's serious medical denial in conventional medicine. And, you know, I mean, even in some in alternative medicine, thank God alternative medicine became more open to that. That's the whole point. Yeah, I got to tell you something. 
if you go back in time just a little bit, I hate giving everybody like this, like history stuff, but I can't help it. It's interesting. If you go back, excuse me, if you go back a little bit in time, maybe the eighties and, and you wouldn't believe how separated alternative and conventional was. I can't even tell you, look, maybe some of you already know that out there, maybe the younger people coming on, listening, logging onto the show. They don't know this. They, 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 they think that it's always been kind of functionally put together where you go to your functional doctor, you go to a clinic that has alternative and conventional, and they're both working side by side. That didn't exist. Um, alternative medicine was the enemy, the enemy to conventional medicine. The hatred was unbelievable. It was a war. It was a war. It's no joke. Conventional doctors, they, I mean, literally would dispel the slightest remedy. You walk into a drugstore pharmacy, you wouldn't find real vitamins there. You wouldn't find Echinacea Golden Seal. You wouldn't find anything there. It didn't exist. And if you ask the pharmacist about it, say, hey, I heard Golden Seal is really helpful for something. If you did that, where's the Golden Seal? They look at you like you had 10 heads on. And, you know, so... The deal is here that the things, you know, times have changed, but what turned alternative medicine into something was that millions of people with chronic illness, chronic illness with no answers were so fed up, so fed up with going to their doctor, being told they're insane, being told they're lazy, being told there's something wrong. I mean, with them emotionally, mentally, and that their symptoms were in their head. And, you know, it was a really hard time and still is now today. I talk about some of that that I've never talked about actually before in the other books, in the thyroid book. And <clears throat> so conventional medicine was this place where when it came down to chronic mystery illness, forget it, forget it. And so, you know, hey, the door was open. It was open right at the beginning of the 80s, right there, late 70s, early 80s. It's when alternative medicine was actually when people were filing in women – Mostly, we're filing into offices, naturopaths, the first naturopath in California, the very first, and other naturopaths that came after that in, you know, on the East Coast. And you couldn't find a naturopath in the, in the uh, middle of the country. In the middle of the country, you couldn't find uh, – you just couldn't find them. You couldn't find a herbalist in the middle of the country. I mean, good luck in that time, time period. It's really a hard time that was happening. And – you know, so what happened was people were filing in, and the only answer really alternative medicine had back in 1980 for anybody with any mystery symptom is it's it's your it's candida, it's candida, it's candida. That's all it was, candida, candida, candida. God bless them. I mean, they were wrong, but God bless them. You know, because it gave something, it gave an answer to some degree to what. To, to anything, to anything, to knowing, to knowing that there's something else going on. There's something else going on that they're not crazy, that all these women are not insane, that they actually have some symptoms and something's wrong. And you just can't be throwing antibiotics at them 24-7 and steroids because that's, that's still all we have today in conventional medicine to deal with something that's critical. Or something that's you know coming you know out a little bit out of control, whatever it is, just antibiotics and steroids. 
oh, immunosuppressive drugs, which is kind of, you know, almost many of them are in the steroid category or whatever, but it's just, it's a combination. It's like biologics or immunosuppressives or now, you know, steroids and antibiotics. That's all we got. And so women were getting answers. It was candida and, you know, and yeah, that's the candida. That was the whole candida craze that started. That's, it took quite a while to catch on finally and get to the 90s and then finally get to – and then everybody was getting diagnosed with candida left and right. Now, you know, it's, it's SIBO, SIBO. That's the craze. It's SIBO. It's SIBO. Hey, leaky gut, leaky gut, leaky gut. That's a craze. Which, well, leaky gut's a whole big confusion. We talked about that already in one of the shows. I'll do more about that. That's – Information is still off on that, still off on SIBO. We talked about that in the SIBO show. And candida, especially candida, because just just as a reminder, we can't live without candida. We're not saying we can't live without doctors. We can't live without candida. You die if you have no candida. We die. We're, We're gone. We're gone. We don't live. I mean, we'll just literally, we won't be living and it's like you and I'm serious about that. You, you ha, first of all, you can't get rid of all your candida. It's impossible. No matter how many cleanses and everything else you do. Thank God. Thank God. Because if you did get rid of all your candida, you'd die. Okay? Because that's that's what keeps us alive. That's a neutral fungus that does all kinds of miracles for us internally. And when it grows out of control, that's because something, it's actually helping you. It's cleaning up a mess, another problem. So that's a whole thing. And you won't find that information anywhere. And if you do, it's because I I put that out there. And that's what I mean. And it's not about me being smart. It's about the information coming from that clean source spirit. And and that's, that's, you know, that's what it's about. And, and the deal is, is that, you know, people are pouring in being told, that they had candida and the conventional doctors were like, they were like, that's, in, that's insane. Conventional doctors were like, you know, whatever this craze is, but women were being heard and it was so important. You know, we talk about all these different things, women's rights and all these different ways, but in chronic illness, oh my God, it's been terrifying, terrifying. And so it's better now. But the problem is now that every single person who has a symptom, who gets sick, gets diagnosed with Lyme disease, whether they like it or not. And that's a tragedy all, all on its own. Absolute tragedy. And you can't – it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue. And even if, even if the information I talk about is 100% right on to what's really going on, it's impossible to battle it out there. It's almost impossible. Because it's just, it's, it's so ingrained. It's been bred into our psyche through our pets to begin with, with Lyme disease. And then, and then through us, it's been unbelievable of what's going on. So every single, I'll tell you, I'll give you a prediction right now, 10 more years, 15 more years, everybody's going to have Lyme disease that has a symptom or not just go into the doctor and get some blood tests because there's, there's something totally 100% corrupted in the system of medicine today. Alternatively, that's allowing for these Lyme disease diagnoses to get out of control to this degree. If you just logged on and you don't understand, like meaning you're, you're like, what's he talking about? What's he saying? You know, get book one, and read the Lyme chapter to begin with, just so you can get familiar with what's really happening. And and I'm talking about this because it starts, like I said, the conventional – here's – okay, here's the deal. So conventional and alternative medicine, they were separated. They were separated far apart. They came together. There's some good things. There's some bad things. There's some good, bad, and ugly about that, okay? 
Some good things are, is thank God we're all working together. Some bad things are, it's really brought in exactly the Lyme disease craze now. Like that was conventional. That was conventional. Believe it or not, even though you don't think it was because conventional doctors would ignore Lyme. They would ignore it. No, it was conventional. It was, it, it, and it was conventionally founded and conventional doctors didn't accept it. So it, it made a confusion where, wait a minute, maybe alternative medicine is, is responding to, to Lyme disease more than ever before. So that's where, and then, but really what happened was it was conventionally founded and then it was, and then the conventional, you know, doctors actually, the, the medical system ignored it. That was a game. That was a game. That was a game to rope everybody in to get the confusion twisted and swirling out there so that conventional and alternative would finally come together in the end to where we are now. And there's going to be the Lyme disease craze like you've never seen before in history, ever in history. Just 10 more years, you won't believe what you're going to see and how off it really is. Unless we do something about it and get real answers and do things the way we need to do it. But conventional and alternative medicine came together. Now you can get it in one package. And there's good things about that, really incredible things about it, because alternative medicine offers so many great things, incredible things. And, um, and the support, and it has and the compassion. There's more compassion in it, you know, nowadays than even there was before. And in the, and it, and it, and it forces the conventional model to have more compassion than ever did before. So there's some beautiful, wonderful things that have occurred from having them join together, it, you know, great things. And then, you know, there's been more, more opportunities for both sides to, to, you know, glean from each other as well. And that's been, some of the good things. There's, there's also other bad things too. But what, why am I kind of talking about the history a little bit and where we're at now? Because when it comes down to lupus, which we're going to get to, that is one massive confusion. That's one massive confusion. And the reason why I'm even talking about Lyme is because every single person with lupus will be diagnosed with Lyme, even though they don't really have it. I'm just forewarning, just forewarning you. If you're a practitioner listening to this, I'm just, just, just giving you the, the you know, the 411. That's just everybody with lupus is going to be going to a Lyme doctor filed into the Lyme trap. Every single one eventually. And there's, there's going to be something strange happening coming in the next 10 years. Lupus diagnoses are going to be less. They're going to be less even though there's more people with symptoms, mystery symptoms that would have been identified as lupus originally. But there's going to be less diagnoses. Multiple sclerosis um, patients, people with MS symptoms, are going to be getting more symptoms, meaning more and more people getting newfound symptoms and, of, of MS, but they're going to be diagnosed less with MS. Do you, you see? Because they're all going to be funneled to the Lyme machine, the Lyme machine. A trillion dollar coming up business, the Lyme, Lyme machine, and um, and every every time you see a tick, you're just gonna you're just you're gonna lose your breath. You can, like, <gasps> you know, and that's what's gonna happen. And 
and the reason why I'm talking about this is because we're talking about lupus. But if the lupus is going to be outdated, the diagnosis itself is going to be outdated. Even people who have been carrying that diagnosis for 10 years already, 15 years, they're going to be forced, forced to believe they have something else. Even though lupus in itself is confusion to begin with, the diagnosis, everything about it's a mystery. Doctors don't even know what really is lupus. Is it even something at all? Even with all that, it's going to be less, less and less of a diagnosis. And people who've already had longstanding, long-term lupus identified in their medical records, they're going to be going to doctors and doctors going to be look, I just did a Lyme test on you. You got Lyme. Now, maybe that's what this has been the whole time. It's been Lyme this whole time. It, no one talks about this. No one talks about the truth about anything about this. You can alter medicine, listen to podcasts, or just no one's going to any of this. It's, it's, it, it, it blows me away. And maybe because they don't have spirit. And I got to remember that. I always have to remember that. You know, spirit even reminds me once in a while. And even, even my family reminds me. And they're like, remember, you know, you're just, you can't get all wound up because they, they don't have spirit talking to them, telling them this. So you can't get that charged up. You can't get charged up of why everything's so slow and coming and why it always gets twisted and turns and goes in different, in the wrong directions out there in alternative and conventional medicine. And, and then somebody else will say, well, you know, that's crazy. Look what science has to offer. Absolutely. And I love it. I'm huge. I'm a big science fan. I'm a science fan because I love spirit debunking it constantly. It's fun. That's one of the reasons why I'm a fan. The other reason why is because a lot of science is really great. But even the mechanical stuff that's created by the technology that's created by science, still there's problems everywhere. Look at the hernia mesh. I mean, look at the – I mean, it's just one blunder after another, and these are things that have been weighed and measured. Science is about weighing and measuring. You guys, it's about weighing and measuring. That's what science is. You can't weigh You can't measure it. Then it's just a theory, which – If there's the right funding in the right place, then that theory will take off and be something. They'll make that theory and turn that theory into something because it'll be funded. And when people put money in, oh, you don't want to piss them off. You don't want to piss off those people who put big money into things. So you got to put your thumb on the scale and make that theory into something. Oh, yeah, no, it did come out this. Okay, let's do it. This this did come out this way. Worry about the consequences later. And so – so, but – but science is about weighing and measuring. It's about facts, facts that have been weighed and measured perfectly. And so there's things that we create in science, technology, and, and physical things. It's just they don't work out. They, got, they just don't. They were weighed and measured. They should have worked out, but they didn't. Even that has holes in it. Why am I talking about all this again? Because when it comes down to lupus, it's so, so confusing and and it's a hard deal. It's a hard deal. The way lupus came about, the way it was discovered, the way, you know, the way people are like, okay, you got the rash, you got fever. We don't know what it is. You got lupus. Whether tests show anything or they don't, lupus has been a tough one. So I'm um, letting you know it can't be weighed or measured. Lupus can't be weighed or measured. It can't be weighed or measured. Even Lyme disease can't be weighed and measured. It can't. Why do you think people get a borderline? Listen, if you have a pathogen, if you have, say, a bacteria that's causing Lyme disease, it's either you have it or you're not or you don't. So the best labs, the best newest labs in the country say, oh, it's borderline. It it could be there. It might not be there. No, no. If you have a pathogen, 
it's there or it's not, that's one of the greatest mistakes. They're going to change that because that's a, that's a flaw that, that is showing something's wrong with the whole Lyme testing to begin with, and that's going to change. Watch. I guarantee you doctors won't be getting tests coming back borderline anymore because that's a massive mess up all on its own that's happening. They're going to fix that. They're going to fix that because they know that, that was, they shouldn't be saying that. And, you know, the thing is, you know, so weighed and measured, lupus can't be weighed and measured. Chronic illness can't be weighed and measured. It can't be. It can't be. And so th- this, is, this is where chronic illness has to be separated and respected. It has to be respected and separated from all the nonsense. It really does. And it has to be, it, it really, something has to change. And that's what this show's about. And, uh, and the, the, the decades and decades I put into uh, helping people and everything else around it. You know, check out the Instagram medical medium Instagram, because it's just, it's so inspiring. It just constantly inspires me, everybody telling their stories of what they go through, what, what's happening, what meaning their healing process, what they've been through and how they're healing. I mean, it's, it's incredible to watch. Somebody reminded me recently, a mom and their child. And, and she said on Instagram, she said, you know, the all storms pass Everything changes and nothing stays the same really helped her to get through a hard time. And, and, and spirit, you know, spirit gave me that a long time ago. All storms pass. Everything changes and nothing stays the same. I wanted to talk about it for one minute, a couple minutes. What does that mean? What is that about? First of all, storms, meaning whether it's a health crisis, whether something's happening in your family, whether something's going on. Whether you got stress, whether it's financial, terrible financial problems, whatever it is, whatever's going on in your life, it's a storm. If you're sick, it's a storm. And there's something to understand that spirit taught me. It doesn't matter if the storm's going on for five years, five minutes, five months, ten years. It doesn't matter how long. Everything changes. And nothing stays the same. It will change. It will pass. This is something that can bring you peace no matter what's happening in your life. It's brought me peace if I've ever come across a storm. Because storms don't define us. You have to know that. They don't define who we are. The storm is not you. The storm is not you. That's what I'm saying. The storm is not you, even if you're sick. Because guess what? If you're sick, it's not your fault. It's not your fault you're sick. You didn't create it. It's not because you're faulty. It's not because you have bad genes. It's not because you're a bad person. <clears throat> that's, that's not why you're struggling with some kind of illness. Something happened. Something happened that medical science and research hasn't figured out. That's what I'm saying. It can't be weighted and measured in chronic illness. That's not your fault. <clears throat> did anybody um, listen to the uh, autoimmune, autoimmune webinar I just did? I talked a little bit about that in the webinar. There's some webinars coming up, and you got to catch them. You got to catch them. There's a few, a few more webinars. Um, so all storms pass, whether we're going through hard times, hardships, and whatever that is, doesn't matter what it is. Whether somebody's trying to, you know, throw judgment on you, so whatever they're trying to do, someone's bullying you. Whatever's happening, everything changes, and nothing stays the same.
And you always have to remember that. And that storm isn't you. It's not you. So if you're having a problem with a, a coworker or, or colleague or you can't find work or whatever it is, that's not what defines you. It's not. If you're sick, it's not either. And, and when we're sick, we're always, it's always blamed on you. It's always blamed on you, blamed on us. If we're sick, that's not, you, you, you're obviously not doing something right. You're obviously not doing something, or you just got bad genes if there's no answers, you know, or you're just, you know, or it's autoimmune. Your body's attacking itself. Oh my God. If I hear that one more time out there. And so, so when we have these storms and we have mystery lupus, it's not what defines you. Okay. It's not who you are. Something's happening. We're going to talk about it. And we've, we've already probably talked about it. I know we talked about it in book one a little bit where lupus comes from. I'm sure some of you are like, oh, yeah, I know where it is. I know what it is, where it is in the book and the whole bit. But this is important to just understand, though, about how it works. It can't be weighed or measured. It's a storm. And it's not you. It's not your fault. It's like that with anything going on. Anyway, the person that reminded me, if you go to Instagram and you, you, you search through and everything like that, I, the mom that reminded me about all storms pass, um, things got better for her child. Got better for her child and, and better for her. And they're moving, they're moving past the storm like never before. And so it's just something to think about. It's something to think about. So, um, so let's talk about lupus. That's what it's about. We're trying to, you know, I'm giving you this whole, the reason why this whole monologue is happening right at the beginning, this really long monologue, which, you know, whatever is happening is because I'm trying to prepare you because these are the things going on, especially with someone with lupus is they get filed into Lyme, the Lyme trap, like I talked about earlier, there, there's going to be less lupus diagnoses because everybody's just going to put everybody into Lyme. No matter what it is, and we can just we could talk about all kinds of, of of different autoimmune and illnesses and everything else. So, all right. So lupus, the whole bit. Let me just, let's run down some of the symptoms of lupus. Fatigue, right? Chronic fatigue, depending on how serious somebody's lupus is, could be uh, mild fatigue, on and off fatigue, sometimes chronic. Joint pain, could have fevers, no fevers. Could be fevers for some people, no fevers for others. Um, uh, joint pain, joint swelling, swelling, edema. So edema, which means swelling ankles, mysterious. You know, chronic illness is all mysterious. Swelling ankles, swelling knees, um, fluid retention, the whole bit. Um, some of you are probably like, hey, I got joint pain. Do I have lupus? Well, that's how ridiculous it is because meaning – not the pain, not your symptom, not what's going on there. Uh, you totally validated. That's not the problem. But if you went to a lupus specialist, yeah, you'd probably get you know thrown into a lupus category. It's possible. But eventually, like I said, that's going to be outdated. Everybody's thrown into Lyme. And don't get scared. You don't have Lyme. Um, swelling, hair loss. So that's another thing, too, that occurs, hair loss. Raynaud's phenomenon, right? Raynaud's phenomenon, Raynaud's syndrome, some people say in the whole bit, that's the discoloration of the uh, hands or the feet, that whole thing. Uh, rashes all over the body, that could be lupus, um, give or take. Um, so these are some of the symptoms. These are some of the symptoms. Let's cover these symptoms for a minute. Let's talk about them for a little bit. Um, fatigue, 
chronic fatigue. That's Epstein-Barr. That's Epstein-Barr. Because with, with lupus, you can get the white count, could be off, it could be up, it could be down, red, red blood cells down, that could happen, or they could be stable, then go down, low platelets can occur. You, could, you may not have low platelets, you may not have red blood cell problems with lupus, but you have white blood cell issues. It's all Epstein-Barr right there. It's all viral infection, viral infection. To this day, why aren't the best medical doctors saying you have a viral infection? When you go to the doctor, you have these symptoms. That's what's supposed to be happening. I'll tell you why it's not. Because something is just messed up in the system. And it's been messed up in the system. And it's not the doctor's fault. It's not the awesome, amazing doctor's fault who's dedicated their life to helping sick people. It's not their fault. But there's something terribly messed up in the system. It's legit. Seriously messed up. I'm serious. For a long time now and still going and not stopping. You walk into the doctor's office and you got fatigue and you got um, swelling. You got a viral infection. You know, I mean, of course, they can do all the weighing and measuring. They can do some tests. They can look for some weird thing that's happening. You know what happens to some people if they have a cancer they never knew about sitting inside of them? That will be blamed on everything when it has nothing to do with the whole thing they're going through. Like nothing to do with the symptoms they're going through at all. Nothing to do with their fatigue at all. But if they find something cancerous, oh, this is, this is it right here. It's all this. It's another mistake made constantly. So... Um, you know, this, this is, this is how it works. So joint pain, fevers that are chronic up and down. I mean, you walk into a doctor's office, it should be instant. You got a viral infection. It's like what happened with Lyme disease back in, um, uh, 70, whatever, 73, whatever it was. And I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to tell you right now that right in the early seventies, when people filed in, the doctors knew it was viral. They knew Lyme disease was viral. They knew the symptoms that everybody was getting were 100% viral, but there was a massive problem. The problem was back in the 70s, there weren't even antivirals to make money off of. So there wasn't antivirals to make money off of. Viral mean we, we got to throw our hands in the air and there's nothing to treat you. There's no way to help you. And that's just the bottom line because an antibiotic was not used at all back in the early 70s and when they noticed that they, when they used it for somebody that walked in that had these 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 crazy symptoms that were viral they knew that if they used it and they they did use it they got sicker which happens to 90 percent of the Lyme patients of today now remember this if you're one of the 10 percent that had some antibiotics and swear by them you know amazing but 90%, think about 90 people out of 100 people, 90 out of 100 get sicker from the antibiotic, meaning their condition worsens. They're worse off to where they started with their Lyme. 90 out of 100, just think about that. Line up 100 people, 90 of them are going to become more worse off. But sure, 10 may not, or 8 out of that 10 may not, but 90 are. There's a problem. There's a massive problem. And that's, that's, that's what you have to understand. And, and so back in the early 70s when they filed in with, with the first symptoms in, in Connecticut and just so you know, everywhere globally was happening at the same time. 
globally at the same time. It wasn't just Connecticut. It was everywhere at the same time. I talk about this in, in, in book one with the Lyme chapter. So I don't want to go too deep into it all. You can, you can totally just get it from there. But the bottom line is when they filed in, they knew it was viral, a viral infection. Amazing, smart physicians, you know, dedicated to helping people knew somehow, some way that this was viral. And, and, and that's incredible. That's incredible. But medicine, it wasn't good for, for big pharma. It wasn't good for the medical world because there's no way to treat it and make money off of it. There was no way to treat it, no way to make money off of it. So it was a disaster. It was a finan- it was a, it was, it wasn't a financial gaining illness. They were people filing in, but there's no way to financially gain. So that's where the bacterial thing had to come later. I know people, you know, that are, that know that they're really hung up on Lyme right now. They're probably just swearing at me and maybe even turning off the radio and, uh, just keep it on, try to keep it on and hang in there. And so when it was was bacterial deemed, you were able to treat it. And then, and then the antibiotics became a massive, a massive financial gain. And we've suffered 30, 30, I mean, I've seen people 30, 20 years ago, whatever you name it even longer that if, if their lives have been ruined and they've been put in wheelchairs because of the antibiotics. But the point is, is that anybody coming in, they knew it was viral. Now, the same thing should be happening now with any lupus stuff. Instead of the trend heading to, they come in, well, I know you had lupus. I know you've been diagnosed with lupus four years ago, ma'am. I know that... But we need to do a Lyme panel. We've got to send you to a Lyme specialist or do a Lyme panel. And you probably had that this whole time. Instead of it going there, it should be like, this is viral. The chronic fatigue, the joint pain, the on and off fevers, the white blood cells being totally up and down, which wherever they want to go, which lymphocytes, neutrophils, basophils, monocytes, whatever it is, um, all this involved should be like, hey, this is viral. That's what should be happening. But it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's a disaster. And just nothing's getting fixed out there. Did I sound negative today? <laughs> I sound negative today? What happened? Did I wake up on the wrong side of the bed? So what happened? <laughs> All right. Here's the deal. So, um, when you know, with lupus and lupus symptoms, those are viral symptoms. The first thing we have to understand why is that important? Because in order to get better, you have to know what's going on. In order to get better, you have to have, you need a truth. You need to know what's happening, what's going on. And it, it's critical to know that. Rashes all over the body, the lupus, people with lupus have rashes. Those rashes, that's viral. Those are viral rashes. That was 101. That was um, 101 back in the early 1970s with physicians. Rashes that ha- that are like you you know a, someone with lupus is one oh one a viral infection, chronic viral infection. Where did we go wrong? So the early the early doctors that you know took in early Lyme people, the very first ones in the early seventies, they were brilliant, brilliant, but they got stifled. They were told to shut up. They were told to shut up. That's right. 
They were told to shut up. Don't be telling everybody what they really don't be telling the truth because we, we need to make money off this. And that's where it went wrong. It's the start anyway. And then we were trained, trained otherwise. So now we're trained with lupus. The body's attacking itself. It's autoimmune. You walk in, you get a lupus diagnosis. Oh, it's your fault. Your body's attacking itself. How's that? You see what I mean? It's just, it's just, it's mind blowing. Yeah. This stuff keeps me up at night. You know, I'll wake up and I'm like thinking about it. Like, how do we change this? What do we do? And spirits like, we're going to put the books out and we're going to get people to learn. We just have to. I'm like, okay, all right. And, you know, here's the deal. So with lupus, the body's not attacking itself, bottom line. So you're told the body's attacking itself. It's not attacking itself. It's not. There's a virus. There's a viral infection. There's a virus attacking the body. It's important to know that because your immune system will line up to that. Your immune system will line up to the thinking, to actually the knowing, to your cells in the body, that there's an invader that needs to be kicked out of your body, and that's what you're going to start doing, kicking the crap out of it, out of your body. What's the invader with lupus? 100% Epstein-Barr. Epstein-Barr, 100% related. It is what it is. When someone walks into a doctor's office and they got the chronic fatigue and they got the unexplainable joint pain and unexplainable everything else that goes along with it, they should be like, the doctor should be like, we're doing an Epstein-Barr panel and we're also not going to, we're not going to stand for whatever that panel says because the Epstein-Barr panel is, is still not a strong, it's still not a strong test because there's so much confusion with it. But it's Epstein-Barr is what it is. If it shows like – what happens is you'll get the Epstein-Barr test and be like, well, you had Epstein-Barr. You had it at one time in your life. But it's not what's causing the lupus symptoms now. That's not true. What happens is Epstein-Barr has different stages. You get it first, it goes away, but it doesn't go away. It goes away and it still causes problems. It still causes problems to organs. It still causes symptoms. It causes toxins, which are neurotoxins, which identify to a lot of the chronic pain, chronic nerve pain because of neurotoxins. You don't need a blood test saying that it's present in the moment because it's not in the bloodstream, the virus. The Epstein-Barr is not sitting in the bloodstream. It's in tissue. It's in the liver. It's in places in the body. It's in the spleen. They can't test for that. That's what I mean. Science and research just can't even get up to the point of what to do for testing for viruses properly. But lupus is the Epstein-Barr. Sits inside the liver, releases a lot of dermatoxin, which becomes the rashes. The rashes. These are dermatoxic rashes. It's a toxin. The liver gets sluggish. Every lupus person has a sluggish liver. The liver gets real sluggish. The Epstein-Barr sits inside the liver. It releases the poison. The poison gets surfaced to the skin because it can't find its way out of the body easy because the liver's really sluggish. And the lymphatic system's swelling with a lot of people with lupus. So the toxins have nowhere to go. They surface to the skin and you get the rashes. They can be shapes and sizes, all kinds. They can be butterfly. They can be not butterfly. They can be everything. Blotches, 
blotches here, everywhere. And that's why everybody's so confused and they're staying confused. And then the doctors who just, you know, like, because Lyme is getting so popular, it's like, just no, wait, it's been Lyme all this time. And then lupus patients get bombarded with a ton of antibiotics, which a lot of Lyme doctors have learned over the last 30 years, of their practice, that it was a mistake. So they're doing way less of that. Thank God. And they're using cat's claw and they're using other things, but they don't realize those practitioners don't realize the reason why cat's claw is working is because cat's claw kills Epstein bar it kills viruses that are creating Lyme symptoms and they're like oh okay well now we are on to something we're doing less antibiotics and sometimes no antibiotics at all and we're using vitamin C and IV infusions and we're using cat's claw and we're getting results thank God spirit was able to give those results 30 years ago to all the Lyme people that came to me I have had to recover hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Lyme patients over the last three decades because Spirit gave me the advanced information I'm giving you today then when it was really prehistoric back then, really prehistoric. I love it when someone comes to me and be like, yeah, you know, this new Lyme doctor is crazy. doesn't use antibiotics. He's just starting to use vitamin C IV and he's just starting to use some cat's claws. Like, great. I was doing that 30 years ago because the spirit helping my people live their life and get better then so they can have a life now. And, you know, so the good news is it's shifting. Am I being sarcastic? I think so. It's shifting. It's shifting. And that's the good news. But with lupus, yes, those rashes, they're all dermatoxins coming from a virus that's releasing the poison after consuming poison in the liver and in the body, including foods that we're not supposed to be eating, whatever that might be, dairy products, cheese, milk, butter, eggs, ghee, whatever. It's just anything like that can feed viruses really bad. And so that's something there. Canola oil can feed viruses really bad. We've got to be careful and stay away from that. We've got to be cautious on the animal proteins. I'm not anti-animal protein. I say it again. I say it in the different groups. I've always said, look, it's about lowering your animal protein. It's, you, if you're a big animal protein person, you can keep it, but you've got to lower it. You can't be doing eggs and bacon for breakfast in the morning. It's not going to get you better. I don't care what anybody says or whatever belief system is out there because it's not about a belief system here. It's about what's wrong with you internally. That's another problem I have every now and then. Somebody be like, look, I think you're anti, you're anti the high-protein animal diet out there. No, that's not it. I'm anti whatever's going to happen that shouldn't be happening inside the body that we can change by doing something different so something gets better in the body. I don't know if I'm anti whatever that meant, but you know what I mean. And and so if you're big on animal protein and you've been diagnosed with lupus, that's got to you got to cut that back. I'm just saying because I'll tell you why. The animal fat in the animal protein is hard on the liver, and with lupus, you always have a liver problem. There's always a liver issue. That's why the inflammation tests even come out like they do when they come out. The ANA, anti-nuclear antibody test, comes out in a lot of new lupus people because it's just gear. It's showing inflammation, C-reactive protein, showing inflammation, and these are showing something. That inflammation stemming from the liver that's from having a viral infection deep in the liver long-term like every single Lyme person has as well. And that 
can release a lot of rashing. And sometimes it just releases depending on what variety of Epstein-Barr you have and what strain you have. Sometimes it just releases the neurotoxin causing the joint pain and not the rashes. It all depends. The fever is because you have the virus there too. That's, that's happening as well. Organs getting inflamed isn't your body attacking the organ, and that's what happens with medicine today. They're putting lupus in the autoimmune category. Your body's attacking itself. You're the problem. Your body's the problem. And, um, and so that's, that's where you fall into the category there too. Eventually, Lyme will just be thrown in autoimmune as well later on. I, maybe it already did so far, and I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't get told about that. I don't check about I don't check on what's happening out there too often. I get advanced information from spirit that's always forward past it. So I never I never really, you know, I never because I you know, there's something sometimes you get, you know, how you, if you if you look into things that are so cockeyed and they're so they're so <laughs> they're so backwards <laughs> that you 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 almost get like what is it? You start losing brain cells and that's what happens out there. So, um, so I don't know if they've deemed Lyme disease in the autoimmune, you know, category yet or whatever. I'm sure they're probably heading there, but damaged organs, everything around that, you know, um, inflamed organs, kidneys, kidney problems with lupus. That's, that's a viral inflammation, inflammation that because a virus is creating the inflammation, not your body antibodies produced by your body are trying to go after the virus. They're not inflaming you. They're trying to go after the virus. They're trying to work on it. Now you need to know that you're viral so that your body works for you even more. And you need to know you can stomp it out and you can kick it out and you can beat it down and you could win this and you can heal. I've seen it. I've helped people go through it for years and years and years. And have helped them get past it because when you know the truth and you know what's wrong, you can heal. You can, you have a better chance of healing versus completely not knowing and, and, and be, and just falling in the whole chronic illness pattern that's out there in the world where there's just so much confusion. So getting the inflammation down, got it back down on the animal protein when it comes down to lupus. So your kidneys, so your liver can actually heal the amount of bile your liver has to produce to break down animal fat is unbelievable. You can't even imagine how much bile salt is needed, how much bile is needed in general. And, and and to, to try to break down and disperse that fat that's in a piece of lean meat. I'm not anti-meat, not anti-animal products. You just have to minimize it. This is the same thing with vegans, same thing with vegans, vegans, just this, this is an example. Someone also said, wait a minute, you're anti-vegan. Someone said that to me the other day. I said, no, it depends on what's going on inside the body. If you're eating too many nuts and seeds, like putting tablespoons of nut butters. By the way, there's all kinds of high-fat diets out there. That we're going to have to do a whole show just on that. I know I'm going to get flack. I know that that's a trend that's taken over. I know people are going to be pissed at me, but it doesn't matter. It's about you. You got to remember something. That's the whole point. It's about watching your back. It's about you. That's that. That's the whole point. You know. So if I got to take flack because there's a trend going on, so what? It's about getting you the right information. Okay. That's the whole point. So if you're doing tablespoons of nut butters and coconut oil and blending that up in the morning, it's hard on the liver. You got to keep your fats down. Lower those fats when it comes down to lupus. 
Break them down 50%. If you're vegan, break it down 50%. 50% less fats. Do an avocado that day. Okay? Do a handful of nuts. The rest should be apples and other foods. It, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing all the fats, the heavy fats. The same thing with the uh, high-protein diet. Doing lots of animal protein, plus you're doing coconut oil, all the stuff. You're just hard on the liver. But with lupus, that is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. So that's something to understand. It's something to always kind of get in your psyche. Um, Epstein-Barr protocol for lupus. Now, lupus people are really sensitive, just like so many other people, Lyme people, everything. Exactly. They're really sensitive. So you start slow. You get the right kind of B12. Oh, I've been on B12. I've been on B12. The, 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 the adenosilcobalamin, methylcobalamin, adenosilcobalamin combination. If you go to my website, you can find a directory. I don't sell the supplements. You just But there's a directory to get you to the right ones. And you get the right kind of B12. You get the right kind of zinc because zinc is critical. for It's an anti-inflammatory because it shuts down the Epstein-Barr virus. That's something to think about. You want to get a little of that. Go to your practitioner. Talk to your practitioner about it. Cat's claw. It's an amazing one. I mean, it's, it's, it's like God's gift. God's gift to us for, for battling viral issues. You can even do a little bit of on and off some golden seal. A little bit of golden seal on and off here and there. Talk to your practitioner too. Lysine, it's amazing for lupus. Take a little bit each day. You start small if you need to. Vitamin C is a miracle for lupus. That's a miracle for lupus as well. Okay, so vitamin C, that's another one. Lemon balm, yeah, these are the staples. These are the basics. The reason why is because there's a lot of people that are viral, a lot of people that have viruses low-grade and high-grade. Low-grade or, or been in their system, and so all this is important. Foods, you know what to avoid. Avoid the dairy, avoid the eggs. Eggs are just the worst for any chronic illness, the worst. And I feel bad because, you know, there's just farm-raised chickens, and then pasture-raised, and they're pecking, and they're eating grass seeds, and they're all happy, and beautiful eggs, and the yolk is so gorgeous. You open it up, you got that deep yolk color, and it's like it's like this amazing, beautiful food, right? I get it. But the problem is the viruses of today feed off of eggs no matter where, what, how, when. So you just got to take an egg break. Take an egg break, all right? You get better. Maybe you can have it a couple of eggs again. Maybe you could have the neighbor's chicken eggs again. Okay, look, so, um, but stay away from the foods that are, you know, that you got to stay away from. Foods to bring in, don't be afraid of fruit. Bring in a little bit of fruit. Try some different fruits. You know, stay consistent on apples. Get the wild blueberries in there. Celery juice, that's an amazing weapon, powerful weapon, extraordinarily um, healing weapon when it comes down to the liver, when it comes down to cleaning out toxins out of the body, when it comes down to um, helping out edema, lymphedema, all the different symptoms. So celery is good. Fennel, you can juice fennel, the bulbs of fennel. If you can find some of those, the bulbs of fennel, you can juice those. Juicing's not easy. I totally understand. So if you can just, if you can just do some more green salads and chop up more cucumbers for your salads, Put a little avocado in there. Trade it out instead of turkey that 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 uh, day, and then you know have your turkey for dinner or something, whatever. But you know, try to bring your fats down, your animal fats down. Bring just a little bit, maybe a little bit of avocado in. Try to switch it up. Change the diet. Get the diet cleaner. I know the twenty-eight day cleanse in the first book um, got a lot of people with lupus better because they got a lot of people with Epstein Barr better. It was an antiviral. 
um, diet. The 28-day cleanse is an antiviral diet. And, um, and that's something you can maybe play with, maybe do two days of it, just two days of it, one day of it could, could be helpful. Most importantly, no, this is not your fault. You didn't create it. You can heal. Viruses don't like you knowing the truth. The minute you know the truth, you start getting better. Things start changing. Your body, you wouldn't believe what your body does when you know what's going on inside. And it's not just this random label with no identification of what really is happening. It, it's, it, you wouldn't believe what the body does. It, it takes over. It takes over. And it starts to run the show better than ever before. And it starts going after the viral matter. It starts going after the viral cells. And you start building yourself back up. Start building yourself back up. You keep a light heart. You didn't create your lupus. Lupus isn't your fault. It's not it at all. It never was. Never will be. It's a storm that will pass. I've seen it pass with hundreds and hundreds. It's not your storm. It's a storm that's dragging you in. That's pulling you in, but it doesn't define you. It's a storm that will pass. It's not your fault. You didn't create the storm. Everything changes and nothing stays the same. Even if you've had lupus for 10 years, you've lost the early 20s of your life. I know a lot of people, they're like, a lot of women, they're like, you know what? You know, all my friends, they were able to do what they needed to do. They finished college. They went to grad school. They, you know, did whatever they needed to do. Um, they, you know, and, and I couldn't because I had lupus. I couldn't because I had lupus. I've been really slowed down. You're going to pick it up on the backside. You're going to pick it up on the end, on the flip side. You're going to get it in your later years, meaning you're going to get rid of lupus and you're going to get the good times are going to roll, okay? And you're going to get a you know, life. You're going to have your life in a, in a place that makes you happier and happier. Things are going to – good things are coming. You always have to know that when you're sick. doesn't matter if you've been sick for 20 years, 15 years, 10 years. It's going to pass. We're going to chip away a little bit at a time. We're going to chip away at this stone a little bit at a time. Okay? Check out um, the Epstein-Barr in book one, the Epstein-Barr chapter. Look at some of the supplements there. Listen to the Epstein-Barr show too because that's what lupus is. The reason why I'm not giving you a lot of fruits and vegetables and a lot of different supplements right now is because it's the Epstein-Barr. You can ease just you – know, you go to the Epstein-Barr show, look at the book, and the thyroid book coming out, I talk about Epstein-Barr and some other things information I've never released or talked about on this show or put in any book. And it's more than that. I talk about 88 different conditions and illnesses and symptoms and, and information about the thyroid and the inner workings of the thyroid that no one's ever heard or known about, not even the leading experts in thyroid. So make sure you look into that. Um, and it's also helpful for lupus because I, I wrote something in lupus in there too. So anyway, keep a light heart. We take one day at a time. When I was given this gift, when I was younger, you know, it wasn't for me. I remember people would tell me when I was younger, oh my God, you're special. You got this gift. No, no, this gift is, it's not about me. It's about you getting the right information. It's about you healing. It's about you knowing what to do. Keep a light heart. Have some compassion for yourself. You're a good person. You didn't do anything wrong. I love you dearly. Everybody take care.